live from Austin, Texas. Welcome to Tate Talks, the podcast where successful business owners go for the latest ideas on sales, marketing, hiring, and success. Get ready. Here is your host, Chris Tate. Welcome to the show. I have a very special guest on today. His name is Elvis Fisher. Elvis, welcome to the show, man. Hey, Chris. What's going on? Glad to be here. Hey, man. So, uh, you know, we've known each other for a little bit, but for those uh, of us that don't know who you are, man, kind of give us a little bit of your background life story. Background life story. You want the uh, cliff note of the actual book? <laughs> let's, let's go somewhere in between. Somewhere in between. Right? So, I guess, uh, I guess to start off this story, um, I was born and raised in St. Petersburg, Tampa, Florida. Yeah. All right. So, I went to St. Petersburg Catholic High School, and from there, I... Uh, Really got into football, and during my high school, I didn't, I couldn't play football until ninth grade. Okay. I played all sports up until then, so I got into football. Really big into it. Was offered, fortunate enough to get an offer for the University of Missouri to go play football there, Division One college. Okay. So I uh, committed, went to University of Missouri. I went there for six wonderful years. And you're probably asking yourself, <laughs> some people <laughs> only get four. Yes, the lucky ones get six. I had uh, numerous injuries, uh, probably. 14, 15 plus injuries slash surgeries combined uh, playing at the University of Missouri. And I got six years, two medical red shirts. Um, but all the years that I was able to start, I was a starter for them. Uh, I was a two-time team captain. I got my undergrad in, uh, oh man, I can't, general education. And then I got my <laughs> master's of education, uh, sports psychologist. So I have a master's degree as well from the University of Missouri. Uh, from there, I was fortunate enough to come back off another injury and play one year professional football with New England Patriots. All right. And after that, uh, I got injured there in my last knee surgery. Um, and I decided I wasn't going to play football anymore. Uh, I don't know if it was more my choice, my body's choice or the league's choice. Nobody wanted to get me. Yep. And I was just kind of, I kind of just broke past with football, but I still wanted to be in it. Okay. So I've always been in the nutrition and fitness. Uh, so I tried to get on as a graduate assistant, University of Missouri. Um, and then through a couple people that I know, they informed me that you don't really want to do that. Let's go this other route and, uh, let's check out some more personal training slash group fitness ideas. And that was, uh, where my career path had started with Orange Theory Fitness, uh, through a mutual friend of ours, Josh Fry got me started. He was actually a strength coach at Missouri. So I knew him. We took our master's program together. And so he said, come on back to Florida. And I had no inkling to go back to Florida. You don't want to go back to Florida? Then I had no, <laughs> I, I wouldn't say desire, but it's had no, it, wasn't in my, it wasn't in my path. I didn't even think right. of it uh, at the time. So I went down there and met him, saw what Orange Theory Fitness was. And I said, awesome. I'll meet you here next month. I'll move down. <laughs> so I just moved wow. down. And uh, that has been the past six years of my life. And then so I recently stepped away from Orange Theory Fitness and the many hats that I wore doing that for the past six years, which is a great opportunity. But now I am a business owner and my, uh, my business is called Better You Performance. It's a sports performance facility, general fitness facility, uh, one-on-one programming, more along the lines of, I don't like the term personal trainer, but I do like the term coach. I've been sure. coaching people for as long as I can remember. And that's pretty much what I'm doing today. Awesome, man. Well, I want to dive into a couple of those things because okay. it's pretty interesting. First and foremost, I'm a Pats fan, right? So I got to find out about right. the Patriots locker room. Mm-hmm. Give me a story, man. What, what do we not know about the Patriots and kind of their organization like that you experience while you're down there? So one thing that 
you know, I've been asked this before, and people are like, give me the insider's details. Like, yeah. is Belichick really this hard-nosed guy who doesn't talk to anybody? And I tell you what, he's the complete opposite. So Belichick, from day one, right, I met him in his office, and as soon as I met him, he goes, ah, Elvis from St. Petersburg Catholic High School. I talked to your high school coach. So he, they do their research. When they say that the NFL goes back some years, yeah. they go back, you're all, your whole career. What happened with Aaron Hernandez? <laughs> did you watch the documentary? Netflix? I did, I did. There's a lot of interesting points on that. Uh, we'll I'll save my opinions we'll for later. That one, yeah. um, but no, so so Belichick, he's actually, he's not this, that's the, the hard-nosed guy that doesn't talk to the media. That's just him not letting outside sources affect the family is what he calls it. And that's kind of his whole mantra, right? So but when we're in meeting rooms or we're one-on-one, that man is hilarious. Funny guy. He'll chat with you. He'll cut it up with the rest of you. But when it's time to work, it's time to work. And you really, you realize, I realized within the first week I was there of why the Patriots were the way they were. Because I was there in 2014. That's like, I think that was like the in-between year. They went like Super Bowl, Super Bowl, Super Bowl. My year. Super Bowl. Right, right. <laughs> that was really good. Really fun. Yeah. Right, really great for Good luck charm right there. Yeah, yeah. cool. So, uh, <laughs> no, you could really tell why they were the way they were. Okay. Awesome. And so that was a that was a Brady year, right? Was he hurt that year or was that the year that he hurt his knee? Like Man, I I can't even remember to be honest with you. Yeah. I, I was Tebow was there as well. So that was so Ooh. I'm pretty sure that was when he hurt himself because Tebow did play a little bit. I'm not I'm not hundred percent accurate, but Tebow was on the team, yes. Gotcha. So So you get uh you get out of the NFL and who coaxes you to go back to Florida? Uh, so that was Josh Fry. Josh Fry. Okay. <laughs> that was Josh Fry. And, and was he involved with Orange Theory at this point? Yes. Okay. He had just got involved probably, probably four to six months before he, I moved down there. So okay. he was in it a little bit before me. Okay. So what was the process like kind of getting involved? Did you have to like audition and you hadn't done group fitness prior to this, right? It was more so just like one-on-one training. Yeah. I, I, had, I really didn't do any fitness at the time. Okay. I wasn't doing anything. The only coaching that I had was... At my time in Missouri, not I know, I've done a lot of one-on-one coaching with the players behind me. Yeah. So I was injured quite a bit, so I had to do a lot of. I travel with the team still. Yeah. I was two-time captain, so they really wanted me to be there and help the offensive line. I was almost like a, a semi-coach, right? I was like a yeah. standing coach. I was on the sideline helping with plays and helping with footwork and all that stuff. But I never, I never was a certified coach, or I never kind of did any one-on-one or group fitness, anything like that. And I just wanted to get into it because my degrees were all in nutrition and fitness and I had sports psych and I wanted I knew I wanted to be in training people or in some sort of sports realm so I looked in to being a graduate assistant at Mizzou and he was a good you know good buddy of mine that I knew had been through that program and he wasn't doing anymore so I wanted to pick his brain on it so I just called him and I was just like hey nobody called him J2 back then (laughs) hey Josh uh, I used to, they used to be called Fryman at Mizzou, so we oh, used to wow. call him Fryman. Uh, he don't like that very much. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But you know, so I called him and I was just like, "What are you doing? What's going on?" And he told me. And so my girlfriend at the time, now my wife, <laughs> I said, "Hey, let's go down and just kind of. I want to show you where I'm from. I just want to take you to Florida. She never been, and I was like, let's just load up, go down there. You can see the beach. Just take like a week vacation. Yeah, I just retired. You know, I just wanted to get out, get away for a little bit. She goes, "Yep, all for it." Went down there, and I guess a couple days in, I, I texted him and said, hey, where are you at? And he goes, meet me over here. And that was the uh, Orange Theory Fitness St. Petersburg location. So okay. I think that was Studio 0004. I think like the fourth oh, wow. one. is the St. Pete one. Okay. I, I can't remember, but old one, right? So met him there. 
I went in and, you know, everyone was wearing orange and the lights were going and he wasn't coaching, he just got done. And then another guy, Josh Wishman, yeah. was coaching that class. So that just a, if you guys are listening, you don't know these people, it's just a long line of bald-headed bearded guys. <laughs> just <laughs> one coaching, one talking to another one, right? In yeah. the line. And I said, man, I love this. And I sat down with him, I think we went to lunch, we just kind of chatted about the process and how that was. Sure. Enjoyed the rest of the vacation. I called him when I went up there, I said, hey, I want to do this, I want to move down. What does the certification process look like? And he sent me, him and uh, the both Josh just sent me some links on certs and how to go about that. And I ordered the packet or the study material, took the test probably a month and a half later, probably like four to six, it wasn't much. Yeah. Uh, passed it and I said, I'm ready to move down. And I moved wow. down probably from Florida to them. Maybe that was a three month span, wow. maybe. Okay. Uh, so I moved down there right around October, right around my birthday. And then it's just kind of a history from yeah, there. Yeah, that was it. So obviously, you know, you're, you're in Austin now, so you, mm-hmm. you moved, you yes. know, obviously things went well, um, and you got an opportunity to be a partner, I believe in yes. the, uh, the studios here in Austin. Mm-hmm. How did that whole thing transpire? So back in Florida, um, you know, I guess I took really naturally to coaching and I really liked coaching and I moved up from coach to like an elite coach and then they, uh, all these little <laughs> quotations, then, right. then they promoted me as a head coach within, within the year. And that's kind of like, I got my first taste of being a manager per se and how to run a team and trying to do scheduling and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, but I was at South Tampa then, I moved up to South Tampa head coach and I, I love that studio and the members are awesome. That's another big studio. Um, and then I kind of got linked up with Terry Blanchek. So he was, he used to be the owner of those studios. And then there's a whole history on how that turned out. But then he came out to Austin. He kind of sold off his areas in Tampa and came out to Austin. So um, Josh Fry moved out to Austin probably six months, six to eight months before me. And he was like, hey, you know, talk to Terry about this, this and that. So I contacted Terry. We went out and kind of just grabbed coffee. And he was just chatting with me about an opportunity to be a part investor in Texas. And I said, I love that. I love that. I love the progression. I love the opportunity. It'd be a great move for my wife. And during those times, that was when uh, my first daughter was arriving. Okay. All right. And so I was, I was fortunate enough to get an opportunity to move out here and I took it. I took the investment up to it. It was a hard, hard leave to do that mm-hmm. because I had, uh, so I had just bought a house in Florida. Nope. I just got married couple months I was about to have a kid, right? And then the kid came. And so all that was happening like a three-month span. And then I moved across country to Texas. So I had to wow. sell the house, <laughs> lost money on it, oh, and then came out here. Oh, um, but it was a great opportunity to be, to move to Austin. We actually, I've been here for about three and a half, four-ish years now. Okay. And my wife and I love it. Love Austin, love the area. Yeah. And, uh, and we're very grateful that that was a great opportunity that we had, for sure. That's awesome. So, you know, the, when you moved out to Texas, you know, the, the studio that you were part of, Triangle, Texas, mm-hmm. um, broke all kinds of records, right? Uh, attendance, revenue, I believe at one point it was top five studios in the nation. Mm-hmm. What do you feel like, why do you feel like it was so successful, number one? And um, yeah, just kind of break that down. What, what do you feel like made it so good? You know, I, want to, you know, I think personally that the studio was, was so great, not only because of it was just, it was a, for number one, it's a great location. That sure. triangle, the yeah. area that's in is, is an awesome location. Um, sure. But just because you have the spot and location doesn't mean you have a place where people want to go. Right. So I believe that our culture, people that we started with, coming from the manager side to the sales desk side to all of our coaches that we had there, yeah. uh, we had a, a, a super great lineup of people just, when you walk in the door, made members feel like they were part of a family. It didn't, yeah. when you walked in, it didn't feel like, 
it didn't feel like it was a gym. It was just like a, it was a culture thing. You knew everyone by name. Everyone said hi. You know what their kids are doing. You know, <laughs> you know what their work schedule is like. Um, and I think that just getting to know, the reason it was so great is because we had such a great people that worked there, that knew everybody, and it felt more like a family versus a, a gym or a job. Sure. You know? Do you feel like as the Austin market grew that, you know, you're, you know, I know that a lot of the original coaches that were there went on to be head coaches at other locations. Do you feel like it kind of diluted the talent pool a little bit to where like you were able to provide that same level of service or do you still feel like it's there? Like, I mean, I know you left a little so, while ago, but. So, so some part of me feels, you know, I, I don't remember who was saying it, but I remember I think the, the owner of Corrales was saying, I heard him speak one time and he, he was saying that like, you know, if I have a all, like an all-star staff at my one location, yeah. if I open up another location, I'm just gonna start over from scratch. I'm not gonna pull people into that because they are what makes that location great. Sure. Um, so I get that, but I also get the opportunity for growth and right. people wanna grow. And not everyone wants to be just a coach their whole life. I know I didn't. Sure. I wanted to grow and have those opportunities. So with growth comes a lot of opportunities and comes a lot of opportunities for people that have been great and excelled to move on and try to do something different. Do I think that it it does kind of take away from the studio if people are always moving in and out and coaches are here and there and staff is new and they don't really know the members? Yes. Sure. But great teams and great leaders kind of try to keep that intact as much as possible, try to keep it in-house. And I think that the one cool thing about what Orange Theory was is like if a coach did move on, that they would still come back and take class. Or if they went to like another studio a mile away, you could still have members coming to all the studios. That was the cool thing about Orange where they could go to all the different studios and see their favorite coaches and right. still has not only, the, it would not just be the culture of the studio, but all, then it turns into the culture of the region, which yeah. is good for growth. But sometimes there's some negative and some positive and everything. You just kind of pick out as many positive as you can. Yeah. <laughs> Now, you know, you were the head coach and, and regional coach there for, for a long, long time. Tell me about, like, your management style because, you know, I worked with you pretty closely and, um, you know, it was pretty fun working with you because you got a, a really good personality. But kind of give everyone an insight into, like, how you managed your team and, you know, how you grew coaches. Because a, a lot of times what I noticed is a lot of the great coaches kind of came from underneath you. They were trained by you and then went on to be head coaches elsewhere. So kind of give us an idea on that. Well, thank you for the kind words, first yeah, of all. Of um, but the biggest thing, I think that a lot of it has to do with just the background of being in sports psychology and how the mind works and how people who don't, people who want to, they want to work harder for people who don't think they're always being asked to work harder. So what I mean by that is, you know, if you have like a drill sergeant ramming you in and telling you everything you're doing wrong and all this negative stuff coming at you, you don't want to work as hard for that. But right. if you have someone who builds you up and gives you choices and provides a lot of opportunity and choices for you to make a right choice. And when you make the right choice, you get praised for it. So not only did you make the choice personally, so you chose to come in early and take the class. Yeah. You chose to say this instead of that when you're coaching. You chose to do that. And then when you get praised for that, that builds intrinsic motivation throughout the, each individual uh, that is working for you. And not only do they feel good about it because they chose it. I mean, you might've wanted them to do that, but you can't force people to do anything. So right. when you have a staff that's making choices based on they wanted to versus they had to, yep. you have a happier culture, in my opinion. So um, I'm not a real drill sergeant getting your, you know, <laughs> people when they first meet me, they're like, oh man, this guy's going to be all in my face. But yeah. contrary to pop belief, I, I like to have fun. Mm -hmm. I like to joke around. I like to make people feel welcome. I like to, uh, 
I like to work hard, but I also like to have, I think if you're not having fun doing what you're doing, then why do it anymore? Right. You know, so I'm a big believer in that. And I think a lot of the coaches that I have worked with and they've worked underneath me have expressed to me in one way or another that they enjoyed working for me because it was a fun atmosphere and they felt like I appreciated them, but they appreciated me giving them choices and opportunities. So awesome. That's great, man. Yeah, I definitely got to see that firsthand. You know, it was always fun to come into the Triangle Studio. I still actually have that video when, uh, oh, do you remember man. that? <laughs> so I'm walking into, for those of you in the picture, I'll put it up on the screen, but I'm, uh, I'm walking into the location. Elvis sees me out of like the corner of the window and uh, I open the door and he pops out. And how tall are you? Six five. Six five. So Elvis is six five. He uh, pops out and I'm like five six. And just goes, scares the crap out of me. And like for the rest of the day, I think I had heart palpitations. Yeah, Remember, cool. I was like grabbing my heart. On the oh, yeah. yeah. The AED also you almost, you almost killed me. Totally yeah. So, <laughs> so, but it was definitely fun to work with you, man. That was, that was the good old days. So how did you get into Better You? Tell us about Better You and um, how that transition was. At what point did you decide like, you know, uh, I'm not going to teach at Orange Theory anymore and I want to open my own business? So um, biggest thing. For me, is when I was doing orange steering, you know, training, um, I don't want to say it come off as a negative way, but training the regular person, mm -hmm. right, is a whole lot different than if you're training athletes. It's a different realm, it's a different mindset, it's all different capacities of that. I never, I didn't really think I was going to ever quit orange theory, uh, but I was definitely looking to get into more coaching. I miss football, I miss the sports, I miss being around it, I miss being around athletes and an athlete mindset. So I really was just putting some feelers out there to, you know, there's a lot of members around that have their kids in high school and I was just kind of, I threw up a Facebook post just asking about who knows some high school football coaches in the area. And I mean, there's like hundreds of comments. So sure. I just kind of weed through and called around, called a couple people, went to talk to some people and I ended up meeting the, uh, the Hyde Park head coach here, Coach Peterson. And he was just like, hey, I, I knew you from, from your time in Missouri. Like he just knew who I was wow. and, I, and that's because I don't know, football and college football, it's such a, coaching is such like a tight-knit group. It's not like a huge number of people to do it. So when you go to like conferences, you're going to the combine preps or anything like you pretty much run into the same people. Right. Um, that's just how like the fitness world and coaching world is, you just kind of run around the same circles. But so he knew knew of me, so I met with him and, and I was like, well, what does it take to get on here coaching like maybe offensive line or something, just kind of get my foot in the door. And he was like, is that really what you want to do? And he, he asked me that question and I really was just like, no, not really. <laughs> you know, I was like, no, not really. I actually, and he was like, what do you want to do? And I kind of, I said, I wanted to train athletes. Like I, I've always, since I was, man, since I was like 13, 14, where as soon as I started to get into working out, yeah. I've always said I wanted to own my own gym. Sure. And I'm going to take steps to do that from day one. Uh, and so I said, I really want to own my own gym, my own performance facility. I don't just want to have a typical gym where there's weights and you can come in and lift. I want to be hands-on. I want to write programming. I want to do that. I want to see people come in, develop, leave, and succeed. That's kind of what I like. I want to see that progression. Um, so he hooked me up with this guy named uh, Anthony Brown. Here he's local here. He has a big 12,000 square foot facility. He goes, you should come see him. He trains some track athletes and he's got a facility. So I just called him right after I left that office and I and he picked up the phone. He goes, hello. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> Uh, AB, he goes, yes, sir, who's this? I said, I was Elvis. I heard about you from Coach Peterson. And, and he goes, yeah, he just texted me. Come on out. So I was like, okay, cool. So he just texted me locations. And within 10 minutes, I was there. Um, and I went to this facility and I saw it. I said, man, this is awesome. How can I get hooked up with you doing something out here? 
He goes, I tell you what, whatever you need, you got it. <laughs> and I mean, that was literally whatever I needed. He didn't charge me rent to work, to work people out there. He didn't make me do anything out of the ordinary. He just said, if you got people, bring them in. We'll talk details later. Wow. He just wanted me to hit the ground running. So nice. um, I had probably like three people, right? I had like two people that I just uh, trained for generic fitness. They're still, you know, people, just regular people. I call all my clients now athletes because sure. everyone's an athlete. But these were just general fitness people that wanted to work out. And I had one athlete that was a lacrosse player. And I probably trained them for maybe a month or two. And I realized, man, this is what I want to do. So started doing research on gyms around the area and what I need to do and all this. And I was like, man, you got to create social media. You got to get a social media presence. Right. So uh, I did that. And then I started doing things on on mindset and positivity and I show workout videos and just kind of all the clients I'm working with, just little yeah. things like that. So I started an Instagram and it just kind of evolved into something that people wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And I realized at one point that I wasn't, I wasn't giving my all to Orange Theory anymore. Right. And if my all's not in something, I don't want to do it. Right. So it wasn't a thing of, I dislike Orange Theory. I love the workout. Um, I love the, the people that I worked with, uh, it just wasn't for me anymore. Sure. And so if something's not for you anymore, you can make a choice of, you know, being negative and just kind of giving it a half-assed effort, or you can take the choice to move on correctly and then right. do your all and what you want to do. So as of January 1, you know, I kind of put in my notice there. And that was hard times because I've knew some of those members since day one, three and a half years ago when I opened up the studio. Yeah. Uh, so it was very emotional, very hard day. All my classes were like, 60, 70 people in it. I know that's not corporate right. approved, but there was a bunch of people in there just ran to class. They wanted to come take class. So it was very emotional. You know, they got the cake, balloons, a lot of cars, a lot of tears, a lot of hugs. I made sure to stay back and give everyone a big hug for all my classes. But it was a, it was a good departure. And as of January 1, I was doing my own thing. And it's been, it's been a heck of a ride. I continue to learn stuff every single day, being a, a business owner. And I guess, you know, entrepreneur or whatever right, you want right. to say but uh, sure. doing that is, is is definitely challenging but it's rewarding because it's all for you it's your name your name's on it yeah. and if it fails you fail if it succeeds you succeed you yeah. succeed right so it's kind of all on you and I really like that I can work with people I can write my own programming it's it's all me right if, if I mess up somewhere along the line which I have already and I don't see myself not I mean I see myself right. messing up more I don't see myself never messing up again because then that, that means I'm not trying something yeah I always want to try something new uh so I just continue to learn continue to grind through and talking with people like yourself or just yeah. in the area I'm just kind of learning as I go that's awesome man couple things on that right so i want to talk about your social media first because it's mm-hmm. i i feel like it's phenomenal right like um first so from someone's good when did you start your instagram page like a few months back right yeah, like two months ago two months ago okay know. and how many you already got like what over 600 something people on there something like that yeah 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 right away. but for someone who traditionally didn't do social media <laughs> you're pretty damn good at it man tell us about you know I love the, the positivity stuff. Like even for me, when I wake up and, and I see one of your posts, it's like, yo, get up, you gotta go do it. Like, where does that come from? Like, why are you preaching that, that positivity everywhere? Um, kind of what's, what's the foundation of that? So the foundation of that is really uh, takes me back to Missouri yeah. and my injuries, right? So I, I used to have, uh, I used to call it injury season. That was the off season, right? So when I, when I, during the football years, I would get injured and get hurt and I would do all my surgeries in the off season. So yeah. I had a bunch of surgeries and I've had both shoulders and knees, but 
when I first tore my knee and I had to sit out for the season, no injury or surgery had prevented me of playing until now. Right. So that was like a big one. It was my first uh, uh, left knee, I tore my patella in half, boom, snapped it, kneecap went out. I couldn't even walk on it, but it made me walk on the field. Nice. <laughs> Rub some dirt on it, right? So yeah. I had to, I was in like a funk. I was just, I got surgery. Uh, I didn't want to leave the house. I wasn't really, I was just like, oh, woe is me attitude. You know what I mean? I didn't really want to do this. And that was, that was going into my, that was going into my senior year. That was the end of my junior year. Going into my senior year, I was a, I, I was a big time draft prospect. I, I was graded out to go somewhere third to fourth round if I would have left, but I wanted to come back for my senior season. All my friends stayed. I wanted to stay. I wanted to finish up, you know, schooling and all that stuff. So yeah. I ended up staying. I hurt myself. And then I just kind of, I kept blaming other things that happened instead of like taking responsibility for me. And what my strength coach at the time, Dr. Pat Ivey, he noticed that and he said, you should go talk to Rick McGuire. Uh, he's the track coach, he's Dr. Rick McGuire. They, these are like the founding fathers of sports psychology and all that. There was not a sports psych program at Missouri. Pat Ivey and Dr. McGuire were trying to make one. Mm-hmm. And I went and sat with Dr. McGuire and he just kind of was talking to me and he gave me some books to read and I was reading through them. Yeah. And he was offering applied sports psychology as an elective for this major and I'd already graduated. So I was like, well, I'll just start. I didn't even plan on finishing my master's. I was like, I'm gonna be in school. I'm like, I gotta take something. Sure, I'm just gonna sit around. Uh, and I had no plans to finish the master's, but I did. Yeah. Uh, I ended up loving it. But I took that and I tell you what, I was hooked just from the minute of being able to take negatives that happen to you and you can only control how you respond to things and everything in life. If you make a choice to do something, it'll get done, right? So if you, if you, if something's happening to you and you reflect out negatively towards it, it's going to be a negative situation. But if you give off positive energy towards it, you're going to turn it into a positive. So all of that stuff incorporated into our football program, through our coaches, and I was really fortunate to be around those guys that accepted that. And there were some coaches that were like, oh, this is psychobabble bull, this doesn't really mean anything. Those are like the old school ones. But if you really do research, and now they have a bunch of, there's a bunch of great podcasts out there that I can show you that talk about uh, sports psych, applied sports psych, and all these big names are out there doing it, and they have studies to prove their findings now about how you know a positive mind is more creative. It gives off more endorphins. You're you're more amped to receive positive vibes to you if you set off positive vibes. It's just there's a lot of studies that prove that now, and I was glad that I got into it when I did because I finished it and it just changed my whole mindset on my the rest of my life. Just when it comes to relationships or it comes to working or it comes to working out or it comes to doing something challenging or something negative hits your life it, it, it was a life changer so when i put out the videos it's just kind of things that i have said in the past to people right. but they were like well, you should make a video about that and yeah, so yeah. you know i, I kind of started like mindset mondays or minute mindset because i guess instagram i realized uh <laughs> the first video only gives you a minute yeah unless you go on like some live thing i don't know how to do that Instagram so. tv man okay i don't know what that is yeah, so <laughs> I'll I'll you. That. but you know so i was like i got a minute to talk about something yeah. to help somebody and, I, and people seem to got a good response and then not only does that get the word out there but then i you know it leads people to oh he's training people too well, what if i you know i want my kid to be involved in positive sport i want, I want my kid to have a positive coach. I don't want my kid to be yelled at and cursed at and, yep. and again, you know, you don't want that with your youth. I mean, yeah. it's, it's a it's a sport, right? So you know it's not like they're playing for a million dollar contracts. And even then you still want to have that positive vibe. 
I think that's such an added bonus. And I, I don't know if you remember this, but there was a time when I would walked into Triangle mm-hmm. and I had said something to you or you'd ask me like, hey, when are you going to start taking my class or, or something like that? And, uh, and I made up some excuse or I said something was going on and you said, well, you know what? You're right. Not with that attitude. Oh. <laughs> and uh, I was like, I sat back and I was like, yo, he's, he's so right. <laughs> so I feel like everyone needs that kind of person in their life. And, you know, being in the personal training world myself way back and then coming up with Orange Theory, there's, there's a good amount of coaches and people out there that are good trainers, but they don't have that whole aspect of uplifting you and giving you positivity. I feel like everyone needs someone like that in their life. And not a lot of people do have positive people around them. Usually if like you're negative, you, it's probably because you have negative people around you. So. Yeah. It's a really good outlet that number one, you're training people and getting them in good health, but also preaching positivity, which is mm-hmm. amazing. Um, from business, you know, it's uh, you had a really good career at Orange Theory. You were probably making some some decent money there. Talk about how you like decided to go into being an entrepreneur and running your own business, knowing that hey, like right off the rip, I might not have all the clients, or I might not be making the same money that making Orange Theory. It's a it's a big decision. How did you kind of decide to go about that? And, you know, what was the point where you just ripped the bandaid off? Well, I think the biggest thing is to touch on what you said previously is like, you know, if you have negative people around you, mm-hmm. you know, you're going to portray some negativity. But if you have positive people around you, if you have people, you know, and this is things that I've heard a lot and I've been fortunate enough to have positive people around me. So when I come up like, you know, your friends and family are going to be the ones to deter you from anything. It's not sure. out of hate or anything like that. It's right. just because... They don't want to see you take the risk and fail, right? So if you have like this massive idea that you want to do something and the people around you are like, oh, you don't want to do that. So they'll, they'll talk you out of it before you yeah. even take a step forward. So I think that the main thing for me was when I was talking about doing a facility or training athletes or training other people or having my own gym, right. you know, I would, you know, my dad, my stepmother, my wife, my friends around me, they never were like, Oh, don't do that because of this. You know, they said, well, you can do that. (laughs) Why why don't you? I haven't done that before. Right. So I think that not only played a huge role in helping me decide when to leave, Mm -hmm. but also set me up for the fact that was, you know, these are people that, that I trust, that I love. Mm -hmm. And even if I fail, they'll still love me regardless. Right. So it was like, you know, win or lose, it's like I still want to go out there and try, right? So yeah. if I put my if I put my everything into it and I win, I made it. Yeah. If I put my everything into it and I lose, I still can be a ground one. At least I try. If I don't do it and I never do the what if yeah. and I never knew and then I live my life with regret and I don't want to do that. Right. Um, and I learned that from my football day. I just don't want to live with regret. Right? I want to train as if it's going to be the Super Bowl every single time I step foot in the field. I want to approach every day as if like this is the last day of the business ever and I want to make it succeed yeah. right so it's like game day every day and I want to do that sure. you, have to, you have to bring that mentality to it so um but with that said you also can't just quit without a plan right, right, right. you got to have some sort of plan something in writing and one thing I'm big on is every year since I probably 20 2012 I, I heard one of we had a speaker come to University of Missouri and talk to us about writing things down and putting them on paper because when you think about it, great. But when you put it on paper, that's your body's response to, hey, I'm going to do this now. Right. And you tape it somewhere. So I've there's many motivational speakers out there that talk about writing your goals and dreams and all sure. that stuff down so you have a plan. So I've 
Every year, yep. I see you got the book there. Right? Yeah, awesome. I put it in my notes on my phone. So I have it in my phone. I always look at it. And I sit, sometimes I'll screenshot it, set it in my background if I got something that I want to do like in a month. Yeah. Um, so just so I see it every day. And so I write down my goals every year. I write down uh, family goals, personal goals, and business goals. And I didn't start doing business goals until a couple of years ago. And that was kind of my first thought of like, how am I going to transition? How am I going to do this? What do I need to do? Right. And it wasn't, you know, the end goal, obviously, have my own gym and be successful, right? But that wasn't step one. Step one was to like, <laughs> you know, read a book on how to run a gym. Step two, talk to other gym owners in the area. <laughs> step yeah. three, uh, actually train people and see how that goes. Step four, train people one-on-one. So there's like big steps yeah. to get there. And all of that leads up to your big goal. So I just started putting, in a, putting that plan into action and it just came to be. That's great. You, uh, you mentioned that you had a lot of people supporting you. Obviously, that's, that's great. Did you have anyone that was like, oh, I don't know if that'll work or maybe you shouldn't? Oh, yeah. Oh, there's tons of that. You want to call them out right now? I never want to call people out. I never want, you know, I don't have any answers. You know, there are people um, in my previous business company that were like, you don't, you don't want to do that. You don't want to leave. And that, that could be twofold, right? It could be they actually don't believe I could do it sure. or it could be they just don't want me to leave because it'd be a big thing for me to leave. Sure. So I don't know what the way is. The only thing that I know how I can control is how I respond. Right. So if somebody comes at me in a negative manner, mm-hmm. I can just be like, hey, thank you. And then I just move on, right? right. So you always have a choice in how you respond to people. Yeah. And life is about choices. So I just choose to ignore them and, and move on. But there's tons of, and there were some of my friends and and, you know, I'm not going to sit here and act like, you know, everybody that encouraged me didn't have a question towards me. Now sure. that, but questioning and doubting is different. Like, you know, if somebody brings up a good point that I have to, you know, oh, man, I have to think about that. Yeah. That's not a negative thing. That's just, hey, what if this were happening? You got to have a plan for that. Yeah, you so, yeah. yeah. But, yes, there were just straight up, don't do this, don't do that. Yeah. You know, it's dumb. You're not going to do that. It's not going to succeed. But if I listened to that my whole life, I wouldn't be anywhere, right? So I feel like, you know, 99% of people that, you know, have, they talk a lot, right? They'll say, like, I have these dreams of doing X, mm-hmm. right? And they'll never go through with it because of yeah. that one or two people that are like, that'll never work. Yes. What advice do you have for those people in terms of shutting out that, that negativity? You know, it, it's hard to hear sometimes, but if, if some of those people, like some of those people being negative to you are probably the closest people to you. They're probably your best friend. The best man at your wedding, or it's your your spouse, or your mom or dad. You can still love them, but you don't have to let them in. Right? So my biggest advice is if you have something that you're wholeheartedly about, and you put the desire out there in the world, right? So you, it starts with like a burning desire, yep. and then you have your plan, and then you try to, you know, you do it. You have a set date that you're going to accomplish something by, yep. and you go do it. If you're having people around you that are telling you not to do that, you got to cut those people off so you can go go forth. Wow. I mean, there's... It's a hard conversation. How do you do that, man? Like, let's say it's like your mom or something, right? Like, mm-hmm. say, mom, I love you, but... You know I, what? I tell you what, I haven't had to have a conversation with my mother, but right. <laughs> but if I did, I'd say, mom, you know, mom, I love, I love you and I love that you care about me. But just to let you know that I'm a grown-up, I can take care of it, I understand your concerns, I'm putting a plan in action to convey those if I need to, right? right. To combat those if they arrive. So... Have faith in me. Yeah. I come from you. You wouldn't do anything stupid. I'm not going to do anything stupid. Mm. Let me do this. Right? Good. Good. So. That's awesome. We're definitely just trying to have some words. Positive words for people. Right? <laughs> That's great. Yeah. 
Now, you've been gaining a lot of attraction, a lot of clients. Every time I look on Instagram, every time I look on mm-hmm. Facebook, new clients are signing up, training, training with Elvis, right? Better you. Um, how are you going about getting clients? Obviously, you've had some, some pretty good training from the OTF days, but mm-hmm. does a lot of that boutique fitness stuff apply to what you're doing now? Or have you brought any of that over or are you just kind of learning as you go? So the biggest thing to help me you know, with clients is I, I've, in the community, I've built up a a name just from working at other jobs and people know me as, as a trainer or as a group fitness coach, right? right? So they don't they don't know my the the one-on-one aspect of it. Now in group fitness, um so in group fitness is a lot of people who aren't moving properly, they're not moving functionally. They they need like one-on-one help before they can kind of excel in a group fitness setting, sure. right? Um because group fitness classes in my former job will get up to, you know, 30, 40, 50 people, and for one coach to be, keep your eye on every single person every single minute right. is not feasible, right? I can get to everybody in the class, but I, I can't coach you every minute of that class, right? So the basic I'm saying is when you come into the room, you have to have some sort of knowledge of how your body's moving in space, right? So, so the biggest thing is um, when people are looking for and who I'm trying to target for one-on-ones is, yeah, I'll take you if you want to work hard and you have great form and everything, but I want to help the people who may have something up with their shoulder or they may not be squatting properly or they have some sort of, they come back of some sort of injury. And I know a lot about coming back from injuries. Right. Um, so how I've been gaining clients is just pretty much word of mouth now. I mean, I started Instagram. I don't, I haven't had anybody hit me up on Instagram saying, hey, I saw your post on Instagram. I want to sign up with you. I've had people say, hey, I heard through so-and-so that you're doing training. So the number one way that I, 100% of my clients come from word of mouth. Right. And that comes from friends and family, or it could come from uh, a parent at at one of the other gyms. They want me to train their kids because yeah. I do the sports performance side, um, and then and my background and credentials do speak for themselves. You know, I'm not some guy that's just kind of faking it. I've done it. I know how to roll. I know how it goes, and I want to do it, and I want to help. So really, word of mouth and keeping people happy. I mean, if you right. if you if you put your customer first. They'll take care of all your marketing for you, right? If you if you treat them well and they see results and they love you as a person and love what you're offering, they'll tell people and people will come. Hundred percent. Yeah. What's the big vision for Better You? Like, where where is this going? Where is like, mm-hmm. what's the end goal for this? End goal uh, is, is um, I want to have my own facility. I want to have Better You performance on a building side. I want it to be you know I don't need it to be a huge space. When I envision my facility. Uh, I don't envision it 10, 12, 15,000 square feet. I envision it maybe 5,000. Yep. I, I mean, it's not huge, um, but it has everything I need in there from racks for lifting to a little open space for field work and any kind of drills you need to do. And I have a concept that I, I don't even know if I want to say it all out loud, but there is something, you know, I want, I want it to be where it, it is a gym and an open gym style to where like it mimics the big box gyms where people can come in. Sure. But I have this, you know, open gym concept, which is not new, but the open gym concept is something like, you know, hey, my gym's open from this time to this time, you pay this set fee, you come in and you can work out. Not your own workout, but I'll have like a daily workout that'll have, it'll be up on a whiteboard and I'll have a whole exercise library of things because I've learned coming up in the business that people like the visual aid of exercise. They like to, you know, everyone likes to see the DVDs or up on TVs. They like to see it and then they do it. People monkey see, monkey do. So I want to have a whole exercise library of all the exercises that I have. And if you have a question on something, you just, what's a, you know, what's a pause box squat or for example, you just go type in pause box squat and it'll show you a tutorial on it. It'll be me. And then that way you could do the workout of the day. 
in the gym. So that's kind of, then I also have my group classes because I love being in group settings. I think group settings are key for everybody. Um, I love it. It not only builds you up, but you're with friends. You're more amped to let loose a little bit. You probably work harder. You probably see the person next to you doing something heavier or moving faster. Like, oh, I got to step it up a little bit. It challenges everyone. It rises the level of competition. So um, I love the group. I love the one-on-one -on -one trainings. I love the sports performance aspects of it. I still I want to do all of it under one roof. And I would like to have um, other coaches in there as well to kind of grow the brand. But I don't see, you know, my envision is not 10, 12, 14, 16, 12,000 studios. I don't, I don't yeah. need our studios or, or buildings or any kind of thing like that. I, I just want my location. I want it to be me. I want to put my name on it. I want to do this for the rest of, I want to just be there coaching until I decide I don't want to coach anymore. And then yeah. I make my exit from there. But, yeah, I, you know, that's what I see it. I feel like that's like strong too because I, I think a lot of times there's like uh, these these big groups that come in they see your concept right and it works right because of, of you um, you know you're getting word of mouth your expertise your personality you're what's making this facility amazing that's a hard thing to replicate when you push it out and go across you know states and cities um, mm -hmm. in multiple locations so I like the fact that you're focusing on one location it's about yourself it's about the family in there you know, and, and that's what's gonna make it great and that's why it's been growing so far. Um, so you talked about bringing on like other trainers, um, but there's two aspects of this, right? There's the sports performance, uh, there's the classes, um, and then kind of you're just training more so like every day, maybe rehabbing injuries and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. what, what do you have for classes? Where, uh, where, where can people sign up and what times can they get in? So as of right now, if you wanted to sign up for a class, you would just reach out to me via my uh, Instagram messenger or okay. my email, which is betteryouperformance at gmail.com. Okay. You could definitely reach out that way. Um, I run four classes a week. So I run Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and Saturday classes. So okay. as of now, I run three classes on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, 5 a.m., noon, and 5 p.m. And then Saturday mornings, I run an 8 a.m. class, and I'm looking to add another one. I'm probably going to add some 6 a.m.s and some 6 p.m.s in there as well because the attention, I want to keep it to eight people. Like, I want to keep it to eight people. Um, I am trying to get a platform where people can sign up via online. Sure. But as of now, if you were to contact me, you would just pay a certain membership fee, and I keep track of all that. And uh, QuickBooks and all that fun jazz Let's and all go. that stuff. So, uh, nice. um, but there's no sign up app. You just have to text me and just say, "Hey, I want to come to the the five a.m." And then I'm like, "Okay, see you tomorrow morning." Yeah. Right? There's no um, if you don't make it. There's no late cancels. There's no penalties. There's no oh, I owe this much for not coming. It's just right. a flat rate. You come any of the times you can come. If you come to you know four times a week for the four weeks, typically that's about sixteen sessions. It turns out to like fourteen bucks a pop. So that's kind of what. Um, the model that I'm going off of for the, the group classes and it's and it's group strength based training so it's not um, you know I don't do any uh, traditional forms of cardio right I won't make you you know walk on a stairmaster for a half hour I won't make you run on a treadmill for 20 minutes or anything like that I, I do have different cardiovascular challenges in there true interval training sure. but it is very much strength based um, I believe the best way to improve your muscle and improve your heart and improve your functionality of your body is to lift weights. And a lot of people get get misconstrued by the concept of, oh, I gotta do an hour of cardio a day, that's gonna make me better. Well, I'd rather you lift weights for an hour a day, that'll give you 
10 times as much results versus just running or walking or whatever you do every day. Not to say that stuff's not important, but my main focus is I want you to lift weights and have your body move properly. Sure. That's awesome. Now, for anyone interested in like becoming a trainer, I, I feel like that nowadays, at least in my experience, maybe it's just become oversaturated with like actual locations, but I feel like there's less people becoming trainers nowadays. What would be your advice for someone that's super passionate about fitness as far as like a career route? Because there's so many you can go. You can go one-on-one at a big commercial. You can go boutique. Mm-hmm. You can start your own thing. You can be an Instagram model. Yeah. What's, uh, what, what's your advice? Um, you know, I would say if you're trying to be a trainer, definitely get on somewhere to start. You got to get boots on the ground, right? So if you've never done it and you have no idea how to do it, because um, like I, when I first started, I didn't know which way was up or down or how to get clients or anything. And so I started with a company that was already, you know, established per se, but wanted to, you know, they would give me some trainings and all that on how to do it, which is very, that's kind of what a lot of the big box gyms or other coaches that are out there have uh, employees. They train them up on how they want them to coach. So I would say if you're really curious about training, number one, look, look to, you know, maybe look at some different certifications out there, read some books. Everything is on YouTube and, and Google nowadays. You can find all this. Don't buy them. You can just get them on. <laughs> you can just get them yourself um, on the internet and all that. But definitely try to get on to a, a big box area or something that's popular in your area and just try it. Just shadow, see what it is, and then try to take the proper steps in getting hired. And then once you're hired, try it. And then if you like it, evolve yourself from there. But um, to get started, man, I would just say just, ju- number one, you want to have some knowledge behind it. So if you don't come from a background of training or working out, or I'm not saying if you come from nothing, go to the park and start having kids do ladder drills. Right. That's definitely not the approach, and that's definitely not how it's going to be done. Sure, sure. <laughs> that's not how it should be done. Right. But definitely, you know, find someone in the area that does do that professionally yeah. and see how they do it. And then try to get all your materials together and study up on it and how you should do this and how the proper way to coach it and how to relate to people. Yeah. And then try it. Because uh, personal training and coaching is just dealing with people. Sure. And so you got to be able to deal with some people. And, you know, you have, to de- you have to not only deal with the person who is so excited and amped and can do everything right and wants to be there. you got to deal with person B who doesn't want to be there, who can't perform this exercise properly. How are you going to... How are you going to, not motivate, but how are you going to correct them and help them to be able to move properly and then give them the encouragement to proceed as time goes on? So you have to work both ends of the spectrum. I feel like that's one of the things that I learned early on when I, you know, was in my dorm room personal training people is like you become almost, with one-on-ones, you become almost like a therapist of sorts, right? Like there's a big mental aspect uh, to being a trainer Mm -hmm. um, because nine times out of 10, you know, I would take on like a client and we would spend most of the time talking, you know, and yeah. <laughs> that was from inexperience for me, not pushing them along and telling them to, to keep going. But, um, how much do you find now that, you know, your clients, it's more of like, it's half and half mental. Is it 90% mental? Like what, where do you feel like it stands right now with, with your business at better you? Cause with orange theory, it was, there's a lot of music going. So mm-hmm. it's just, they're just there to do the workout yeah. and, uh, you're just rooting them on, whereas now it's one-on-one and, and that whole lot. So that's a good, you know, you make a good point, right? So I kind of learned that as well. So I, I, I did a couple one-on-ones here and there, but it was always very uh, 
very laid backish. But yeah. now it's more of like, this is what I'm doing. I really haven't done one-on-ones for a few years and now I'm getting back into it. Um, and you're right, coming from the Orange Theory and the group fitness and the music blaring and there's a lot going on. So people stay engaged. Yeah. When you're one-on-one, like you said, you got to kind of make conversation sure. and, and you have to like, nobody wants to just be quiet for an hour. You also want them to have fun. So what I've done to try to spice it up a little bit is, you know, in between sets or, or whatnot, or I want to like get to know them as a person. So the more I know about them, the more I can relate to them and the more they feel a connection, right? So not only do you want to have the connection, you have an hour with this and or an hour, 90 minutes, however long you're training them, you have that amount of time to make some sort of connection with them. And they're the only ones there. So not only do you want to make a connection with them, but you also want to coach and correct them and give them some benefit of being there. You want to educate them. And you don't need to use big terms like all these, you know, you don't need to name all the body parts by their official name, but you do need to talk to them in terms that they can understand and and that way they can perform it. You don't need to show off how smart you are to the They already know you're smart. They're coming to you. They're paying for a service. They know you know what you're talking about. Right. Sometimes. Hopefully Hopefully they know, right? But they're under that assumption that you know what you're talking about. So you just need to talk to them and build some value behind yourself. So if you, you know, three, three different clients could could process what I'm trying to tell them how to squat differently. It could be different cues, different things. So you have to just feel out what that individual person is. So not only are you trying to do some educational stuff, but you want to get to know them as a person. And then if they're able to joke around with you a little bit, try to make it fun, mm-hmm. interesting, joke around a little bit. But you definitely want to get some work done. We're there to work. Yeah. So you also have to put on your, your coach's hat, right? And if you're taking too long of a break, you know, I always keep a timer. So like I know how long the rest period is. Like, hey, we got a minute. When we hear a joke or something, just kind of to break them in, and then they're laughing. Like, All right, let's get on it. And then you change, you switch gears, so that way they know when they're working. But you gotta, you gotta keep them honest with that because they came there to work out, and you want them to work out. You have a program for them. You want them to complete it, right. or else we're not going to see results. So, 100%. so you know what I've been doing is the group classes. Um, I don't have a big sound system or anything like that. There is music playing, but it's nothing like what I've come from, where sure. music's blaring. You can barely hear the person next to you. It's very, uh, very. Uh, intimate in the sense of it's just me and there's only about eight people there could be two to eight right so it is almost like a one-on-one style so i'm running around trying to help them perform and i'm trying to build value behind my brand and what i'm talking about and then also try to make it fun for all of them so right now anybody that i'm training i I know a lot of their name i know what their kids names are i know you know i have clients that come in and bring their kids uh, that's something unique that I can do. You can bring your kids to have them sit and just kind of chill in the kids' area. Nice. And they come running up, giving a big hug and all that stuff. So it's like I, I'm part of the family. And they're part of my family. Sure. So they know my wife and daughter as well. They come up there. So that's awesome. Just try to make it more personalized. That's for great. sure. That's great. I feel like it's, you know, fitness. Well, I want to talk about, you know, where it's going. But I, think, I feel like that's been the progression. It was... It started off a, a long time ago with what, like the Bally's days, you know, and then it evolved to like Shapes. LA Fitness, you know, and it went from, you know, where people were signing up for like $10,000 personal training packages. Um, then the industry kind of moved to like maybe the at home, like the Bowflex type of stuff. Then we went to like the low cost models, boutique fitness. Where do you feel like fitness <clears throat> is, is going next? Uh, what's like the next big thing? You know, I. I don't, I don't know for sure, but I do know that just from what I've seen trends-wise, pe- people do like, they like to sweat. Yeah. They like to be moving. They like to do it. And they also like to see, they like to see results a lot of time, whether it be right, wrong, or different. They like, Austin's a very tech community. They like to see it. Yeah. Um, so they do like that, but I don't think, 
I think that the main thing that's sustainable is a workout that makes you sweat and you see results from it. So regardless of if you can see it on the screen or you're looking at a lot of time on your watch, I think that people know when they have worked out and I think they know when they haven't worked out. Yep. So, um, you know, I don't know what the next trend is in fitness. Fitness has all sorts of trends, but the, the staple, the one thing that fitness is always going to be generated around is, is lifting primal movements, push, pull, squat, hinge, presses, and core work. Right, so that's like the staple of every program. So, I don't see one-on-one -on -one coaching going anywhere. I think that people, <clears throat> regardless of our the way our world is going, everything is at the fingertips of your phone. I think that people need interaction with other humans. That's kind of what makes us basic yeah. human beings. They want to talk to people. They want to get out. So, I, I do think that in a sense, it's hard to get those one-on-one -on -one clients, but. People like the group fitness realm. They like the group fitness, but as that you make it one on one feel. Sure. You know they sure. don't want, they don't just want to be a number, but they want to be in their tight knit group and they want to be known that they're there. You know what I mean? So, yeah. You want to know what I think is next? Let's know. Let's hear. Let's hear your thoughts on it. I think pretty soon you'll be able to put on like glasses or some sort of helmet, and you'll be able to like look around VR style. Can't and, you do that now with some class. of those games? Was uh, what do they call it? The, so uh, you can like this. Maybe I, I think with Peloton, right? You're like in a like mm -hmm. a class, right? And you can kind yeah. of view that. But I think like you'll like look around, and maybe it's through Oculus or whatever. But you'll be able to see like me and you could take a class in two different areas, and I could look over and see you like pedaling around or something. Oh like man, that. what's that movie called? Is that uh, Ender's Game? I haven't seen well, it's that. It's like one. that. You're in this virtual world, and you put the mask on, but you're just sitting there. But you can do everything. I think I know what you're talking about, where he like goes back and he has to recreate all those movies and everything. <laughs> no, I was talking about the one where it's like, it's like a big virtual reality, like uh, was like The Sims. Yeah, but yeah. It's like virtual, so you just you're just sitting in the chair, but you put the helmet on, and then you got like this mobile, you can move around and do stuff, but you can like act like you're running, and it's just this whole other virtual I, life, and you can see your friends and all that. I might be. I mean, I think that's where we're going eventually. I don't know if we'll see it, but it's yeah. coming. I so I've tried one of those virtual things and yeah. I get a headache putting one of those things on so I don't know but you know they said that too when they started with the cars right people oh you're going too fast and now look we're in cars so right. it might progress like you said you might, we might not see it but we might not our see kids it. might see it for sure for sure so uh, yeah anyone in, interested in getting involved in in better you like uh, like you said where where can they go to find you so Instagram better you performance mm -hmm. on Instagram you can type in better you performance or you can type in Elvis Fisher and it'll be a okay. pop up got it and then your email is better you performance at gmail.com it's not better you it's better you the letter better kinda, you the letter awesome man. Well, I appreciate you coming by, man. Thank you so much for taking the time. It's been a pleasure. And uh, anyone in the Austin area, if you're looking to get better you, go see Elvis Fisher. Chris, so. thank you so much for having me, brother. Appreciate you. All right. Appreciate you too.